and welcome to How to Be a Money Magpie podcast. I'm money expert Jasmine Bertles, the founder of moneymagpie.com. And today we're continuing our quest to find more of the many ways you can be clever with money without even trying. As you know, if you've been listening to our other episodes, we believe in making money as well as saving it, finding really fun and interesting ways of building up reserves of cash, as well as being clever and thoughtful at spending it. We're also taking questions from listeners and readers to be the subject of the podcasts, and today we're doing exactly that. A question I am regularly asked, particularly when I do my money workshops, is, what is the difference between saving and investing? They're different words, but they're often used interchangeably. At least saving, particularly, I find, is often used really to mean investing. So we're going to get to the the real root of this with a couple of friends of mine. Micah Curry, who's an author, editor and investment commentator from the investment house Fidelity. And we're also joined by the fabulous Tara Evans, who's digital consumer editor at The Sun newspaper. Hello. Welcome to the show, both of you. Hi. Thanks for having me. Hi there. Good to speak to you both at home. We're thoroughly socially distanced on this program. Absolutely. <laughs> You're sounding good. So I'm, I'm going to start, I could start with Ivory. Tara, let's start with you. How would you define the difference between saving and investing? I think for me, the biggest difference is with investing that your money is always at risk. Um, and I think that it's more of a, you know, a long-term goal with investing, whereas saving could be on the shorter term. Mm, yeah, sort of short-term. How about you, Michael? How how would you define it? I would agree with Tara that um, investments are often thought of as savings' riskier cousin, and often these two terms are used interchangeably, but they are definitely not the same you know you could refer to saving as stashing your money under the mattress investing is really putting your money into something specific with the expectation that its value will grow over time um, and providing you with the opportunity to create more wealth and to generate an income yeah i I mean to me the 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 big thing is is as you both said time you know it's it, it and i think this this seems to be something that that we we all as a nation need to get our heads around that saving is for short term and and like you say Tara we've got to have safe investments for that because if you're saving for christmas or you're saving for a car you you want to know that you're going to have at least the money you put in when you come to take it out but with long term we can kind of we can well we have to take a bit more risk because that's the only way we're going to get the return do you, uh, do you get this from your readers tara or do you find that your readers are are generally too afraid of of the concept of investing to go for it yeah i think there's two things um i think there is the issue that they really want to save and at the moment um you know it's really hard for a lot of our readers to save um, lots of them have experienced income shocks due to coronavirus um, and it, everybody I think at the moment is really living on a short-term basis um, trying to get through the next few months uh, figuring out you know how do we plan for the long term at the moment when you know you don't know what your career is going to look like you don't know you know whether these rules are how these rules are going to impact our long-term living it's just really unsure at the moment so I think that that's the first thing 
and I think, yeah, you're right. I think a lot of people are scared. Um, lots of pe lots of our readers, um, you know, they would feel like investing is something that is too hard for them to get into, and that's a real shame. I think because you know, if any of them have a pension with their workplace, ultimately that's invested. So they are, um, you know, they are involved in investing products, even if they don't realise. Um, so I think, you know, it's something that I'm really trying to encourage our readers to think more of. But I understand that they are really squeezed at the moment. Yeah, it's, it's a good point. I mean, we, we try this on Money Magpie as well. And we do certainly have um, readers who are really interested in investing. But with many people, there seems to be just this enormous fear and and all sorts of myths around investing, like, you know, you have to be rich to invest. Do you do you get this, Micah? Do you do you find that, that at Fidelity you get people going, oh, no, I couldn't do that. I haven't got enough money to invest or, you know, this. Absolutely, absolutely. And it's often women who think that investing is not for me because they think it's, you know, you, you need large amounts to get started or it's something that is done by traders and the like. I do agree with Tara that, you know, people are facing a lot of uncertainty at the moment and and human nature is such that when we face a lot of uncertainty the first thing we want to do is batten down the hatches and actually stash that money under the mattress because you don't feel that you can trust anything but that's possibly the, the worst thing you can do because over time there's a factor that works against you when you save and that's inflation um, every mm -hmm. year things do get a bit more expensive and as a result your money is worth a little bit less. Now, of course, inflation isn't something that we've had to worry about for nearly a generation. But what we are seeing at the moment with all this uncertainty is we're seeing central banks pump more money into the, this financial system. And that, of course, has an inflationary risk to it. Um, and then, of course, fees too. Now, you also pay fees when you invest, but those fees combined with inflation will chip away at your savings over time. And I, I mentioned that, that women often sh um, shy away from investing. And it's really interesting, Jasmine, if you look at figures around ISIS, I always bring this stat up. Who do you think holds the most ISIS in the UK? Women, despite, you know, facing various challenges, despite the fact that um, there's still a gender pay gap, despite the fact that women often take career breaks to, to raise children or to care for a sick and elderly relative, we still manage to save more into ISIS than men. But the rub really is that we save into cash ISIS. So when you look at the different types of ISIS, overall, women hold more in ISIS but we hold more in cash ISIS, whereas men hold more in stocks and shares ISIS. So women save, we are diligent savers, saving towards a goal, and men tend to invest more. It's such a good point about women, though. I mean, it... it it's it's here a bit of a coincidence i didn't i didn't try to arrange this but we're three women here talking about this um and we three women um i'm guessing we all invest i certainly do um i'm i'm guessing you guys do um and yet as you say most women don't although i know women who want to or i i've had quite a few women say to me oh yeah i want to come on your course so that i can learn how to invest so there's a desire to do it but there's just something is it just fear or is it a, a lack of knowledge what, what do you think it is Tara I do think that um you know obviously we are three people who know what we're talking about well hopefully we know what we're talking about <laughs> um, <laughs> we'd like to think that <laughs> so 
I think it's different for us because we're kind of more aware, more knowledgeable. Um, I think for lots of women, it's the risk thing. Mm. Um, I also think, yeah, it's a lack of it's a lack of awareness. You know, it, I think with lots of men, for example, they will go out and chat to their friends about it, and they will, you know, they can all talk within that group and then learn about it from that way. And if women aren't doing it systemically, there's not going to be that kind of culture where people discuss it. Um, so I think that is a really big barrier and something that hopefully will be broken down. I wonder if we should have investing clubs again. I mean, I remember back in the 90s, that was a big thing. And there were women who would get together, men as well. But it was quite a sort of, you know, genuine sort of club kind of feel. Do you think we should have those again? Or, or do we? Is it, do they exist? I haven't heard of any. but Quite few and, and far between. I think um, there are obviously a lot more book clubs than wine clubs than <laughs> there are investing clubs. <laughs> book clubs and wine clubs, yeah, fine, but it doesn't make you money, yes. <laughs> so, no. Yeah, we should have some more maybe of those. And, and as you say, Tara, that people do put their money into pensions. They just don't realise that that money is then being put into all, mostly stock market and, until you're, you're older anyway. So maybe, again, we should have um, employees given a, a talk once a year just to let them know oh by the way this is this is where your pension money is you know just so you know and this is why maybe we should do that yeah I do think that would be helpful and you know I think also just everybody being able to just, I think that money is a really tricky thing people don't want to discuss it um you know it's not a very British thing to discuss money either so I think that that also holds it back and I think you're right I think people don't really realize um you know where their money and their pension is invested so when it comes to actually managing your money um and and you know I know all three of us say you should have savings and you should have investments at the same time Let's just unpick that for a moment. Um, Micah, how how should somebody manage their savings and their investments? What sort of percentage of their money should, should go into that? And how should they think about their saving and their investing? I think think of saving as setting some money aside you don't spend now, but that you will use for emergencies or possibly for a future purchase. Um, and there we talk about your rainy day fund um, or your fallback fund. And ideally what financial advisors advise is that you've got about three to six months equivalent of your monthly salary put into that fallback fund. And that really can be a saving. It's not about growing the money. It's about having that if you like, fallback, you know, cash buffer as part of your overall portfolio. So park that one side. It's important to have that. Um, and then beyond that, think about investing as buying into assets such as stocks, um, getting more engaged with your pension, your workplace pension. And most of us in the UK will have a workplace pension if we've been in formal employment. What we need to do is engage with that more. So think of yourself as an investor, log into your pension account and see where it's invested. So most of us will be in the default option, but that's an option for, for anyone in the workplace and you might be better off self-selecting investments. And there are a few things you can do when it comes to your pension that, that make a big difference. For example, when you log into your online account, your pension account, when you finally get the username and the password, so you need to do a bit of admin, look at what your default retirement age is, because it might be the standard, say, 55, and, and that means that your assets are being de-risked. 
sooner. So if you're planning to work for longer, you can change that default retirement age. It's a small little trick that will make a big difference to the possible investment growth you can get. Also look at filling out your expression of wish form or your beneficiary, um, I think they call it beneficiary nomination form. So what happens to that money you've saved into a pension when you pass away? Just getting more engaged and thinking about a pension as an investment is so important. Gosh, yes, there's lots to do there. And I say lots. It's not really that hard, is it? And it, it sounds like sort of, oh, I've got to do this, I've got to do that. But none of it really takes a huge amount of time, does it? No, it doesn't. And I think, you know, we are, especially women, uh, we are so good at at taking care of everyone else's um, needs. And we kind of put our own financial matters right at the back burner. We are now all at home. A lockdown, if anything, has been a time for reflection. It's been a time for life admin. I'm sure a lot of people have probably like tidied up their wardrobes and cleaned out an old drawer. You can do exactly the same with your finances and, and your pension pot is a really, really good place to start. And Tara, if we think about the savings side particularly, again, I'm sure you are getting this question all the time. I certainly am. Where can I put my money? Where where can I put savings money? There doesn't seem to be anywhere that's giving anything decent back at the moment. No, you're right. Savings rates obviously are really low. Um, and obviously with the threat of negative interest rates, um, you know, the fear is that I don't think any bank will ever go to a negative interest rate, in my personal opinion. Um, but these are really uncharted waters. Um, obviously, you need to look and decide how long you want that money in those savings pots and then you can find the appropriate product for it because if you're you know it's a rainy day fund and you probably won't need to access it for a few years or you're saving for a house or you know you need to sit down and figure out what you want that money for and where it's going to go and when you need to access it um and you know if it was for an emergency would you be able to take it out without paying a fee and 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 then yes is there a do you do you feel it's it's worth switching because sometimes you know you, you'll see headline rates oh look one and a half percent or this one's 1.25 percent and and you kind of think well if I had a thousand pounds there for uh, for for a year you know would that really make very much difference another you know 0.25 percent do you do you feel are, are there people who are literally switching switching to get an, an extra 2.25 percent or anything or is it just not worth it I think our readers are really in that that problem at the moment. I know myself, I've thought it too. I'm like, you know, that 0.25% really, is it going to make that much difference um, for all the admin and, you know, that time that we have? I think it just depends where you are. If you're at the moment, you know, um, got some spare time and you do have, you know, you are committed and you do want, you do feel like that bit is really important to you, then it's worth doing it. But, you know, for you, if if you feel like that time isn't going to be well spent, maybe there are other ways that you can make money and you might be able to make more. Um, so, it, you know, in, in generating cash. So I don't really think, I think it's up to the personal, you know, opinion and personal time and situation of where you're at. And I know, I know that when I was freelance, I used to really, really resent spending days doing yes. admin. <laughs> I really resented it. I used to sit there and think I'm not being paid for this, and you know, I really reorganize my mind in terms of doing my yeah. own admin. Um, and so now, like for my personal admin, I try and just have like one day a month, a weekend, where I sit down and that's my like admin time, and it's almost like I 
know that that's what I'm doing um, because otherwise I found it really challenging um, to, you know, think about how important that time was um, and how it, if I invested in it, that hopefully it would, it did transpire and um, end up at the end like I wasn't piled on with all the admin. So I try and think of it in that way. I think that's a really good way of, of doing it because I'm the same. I am freelance. I've always worked for myself. And yeah, I totally agree because time is money. And when you're freelance, you really feel it. You think, oh, you know, this hour I could be making that money. But admin, quite often the way I say to people, um, you know, when it comes to switching bills, etc., I say, look, just spend half a, half a day, as you say, pour yourself a glass of something fortifying and just decide you're going to make yourself a thousand pounds simply by switching bills, etc., particularly your insurance, you know. And if you think of it in those terms, then it's, it, it's kind of less of a bitter pill to, to, to take, I find. <laughs> so I find having that monthly check-in as well is really important because there will be things that you didn't get to on your last list. And, you know, time goes fast so quickly, as we know, I think we've all felt it this year. So I think having those monthly check-ins are really important. It, what, what do you mean by a monthly check-in? So what I do is, you know, have a day every month, I set it in my diary. It reminds me like today's the day when you're going to go through all your to-do list, your financial well-being to-do list and make sure that you have ticked off all those boxes, whether it's, you know, getting your password to log in, check your investments or whether it's, you know, your, your planning for the long term, like a day, a month where you just check in and where you are. Excellent. That's a really great idea. Um, and finally, Micah, do you have um, a, a great tip like Tara's there to help people get their savings and investments just a bit more on an even keel so they feel more on top of their, their money? I would agree that, you know, we all need to put some time aside to look at that. And in a in an era or in a time where we feel very much out of control. You know, we can't control what's happening in the outside world. The one thing that you can control is your personal finances and how you manage that. Um, so I do think it's worth investing some time in that. And I think that, you know, getting back to, to the whole argument around saving versus investing is I think the reason people shy away from investing is one, they think you need loads of money to do it. You don't. You can, you can start with a regular savings plan with small amounts uh, every month, putting something aside. Um, so, so don't think that you need a lot of money to invest. My, my second tip would be: you know, people also shy away from investing because they think that they need to know everything about the subject before they take the plunge. The key thing is what you what you consume, what you read, um, tells you a lot about the world already. The fact that we are all dialing in virtually, that we are ordering lots more things online, we're probably watching a lot more things uh, on Netflix and the like, all of that tells you about where the investment opportunities lie. So, you know, the world around you is already teaching you about, about where the opportunities are and you don't need to be an expert to start drip feeding money into the stock market. Thank you so much, both of you, for that. Um, and, you know, I think we've got all sorts of articles on Money Magpie, which are about saving and investing, and also about the difference between the two. We've also got Fidelity, has where Micah comes from, has lots of information about investing. And I know that Tara's section for consumers has loads of help, particularly for, for savings accounts, um, as well as how you can save money daily 
to day. And we've been scouring our message boards and social media for the best tips of the week. And we've managed to have a chat with our Manny Magpies about saving and investing. So have a listen to this. I feel like I'm on blind date. Um, so, my, <laughs> so my name's Stacey Smith. Um, I started a website called Crumbs. I write about food and drink and what's going on in London. Um, and I write for various other publications now. Um, yeah, mainly about food and drink. <laughs> That's about it. I think it sounds so scary, saving and invest. I think saving, okay, since the pandemic hit, I felt so much more comfortable and safe when knowing that I had a little pot of money before the pandemic I was sort of living for the moment when I got paid I'd see it as only needing to last until the end of the month I never considered that you could actually still have money after that it sounds really stupid but I just I never thought of having more and more each month I just thought of getting through it but then I got made redundant during the pandemic and I was like shit now what you know I didn't really have much of a buffer and it really made me relook at things and yes now I've got some savings thanks to a redundancy payout and I've found a new job so it's all good but um and now I really want to hold on to those savings it 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 makes me feel so much more secure to have that pot behind me so in terms of the difference between savings and investments I think savings I think everyone sort of understands don't they you put it in a savings account job job done you can see it I think investing is sounds a lot scarier but actually you are almost taking more of a risk putting your money in a savings account with a really really bad return because it's just gonna, it's it's not going to keep up with inflation but it but we haven't been brought up to talk about investments like that investments especially with women I think investments are seen as something someone else does you know people with trust funds but it's actually really not that complicated <laughs> I feel like we've been we've been sold a lie that it's really really scary and complicated it's just not I think women in particular need to be doing more investing and saving to be honest um for various reasons um of course there's already the gender pay gap to contend with so we already need to be working a bit harder or making our money work a bit harder should I say and I think until now or certainly even still now it's often seen as something or in the past you know it's been something that the the men look after which is obviously so outdated and really cliched and I know not everyone feels like that but I think I think there's a, a whole new breed of women talking about money and it's engaging us right it's interesting and it's like making it more accessible and easier to understand and I know I've read a load of books recently and it's really telling that they were all aimed at millennial women so there's obviously an appetite for it I think we want to be in control of our money you know make you know be aware of what we can do to make a difference Uh, She's pretty much said everything that we've just been saying, hasn't she? Um, But it it was a good point about the the gender pay gap as well. Um, You you guys have probably seen that as well, that women are saving and investing less much of the time, although apart from ISIS, as you say, Micah, um, partly because they're, they're still earning less. Absolutely. And the questions often asked, you know, or the, the points often made that women are more risk averse. That's why they don't invest. And I, I always ask, well, why why is that? Have we ever wondered why women are more risk averse? Well, by definition, there is a gender pay gap. It stands at 18 percent. It's probably likely to get worse because of the COVID-19 pandemic. As we know it's had a disproportionate impact on women's finances. So if you get paid less than your male counterpart, by definition, you will be more risk averse 
around what you do with that money. We're also more risk averse because we think of money differently than our male counterparts. We don't think of money necessarily as our own. We think of it as something we share with our partner, with our children, perhaps with our parents. And if you think of money differently, you do tend to be more risk averse with that. It's mm, a good point. And, and Tara, um, th- there was a, a note there about um, being freelance and, and needing some um, money set aside. And you've been freelance. I am freelance. And of course, women tend to be freelance, certainly part time, more than men are. Um, and do you th- again, do you think that women and men, frankly, need to get more of a sense that we really do need to have some money in the bank just, just for a rainy day? Because a lot of us don't. Yeah, I really, I think that is a really important message. But I know that the main thing that I hear back from our readers is when you're living month to month, which lots of my readers are, and you experience some kind of income shock, it's only really the mistakes that you learn from because you realise when you're in that situation that you do need that buffer. And, you know, we can sit here and talk about it all day long, but the reality is unless you have that spare income in order to be able to do it, it's unlikely you're going to be able to build up that nest egg. And I know so many of my readers will say, I don't have any spare cash. So I think there's two things. People, um, you know, will learn from their mistakes. And I think once you've been in that situation or you see a close friend or family member in that kind of situation, I think that's when it does shock you and you do think, okay, yeah, I really need to build up that nest egg. And I think coronavirus perhaps has been that could have been a side effect because, you know, we'll have seen lots of people losing their jobs and um, a lot of people who have had those kind of income shocks. And hopefully that has, you know, part of the reason why people were saving and paying off so much debt during lockdown, I think, was to do to that. And I think there's also, you know, reorganising your mind, not living month to month and finding out how you can, over the course of a year, set up those kind of long-term savings goals. And some of the things that I've seen really encouragingly from readers is their um, adoption of like the auto-saving apps. And while they don't pay out very high interest, I do think they are good at showing people where you can save those little amounts every now and often, and they will add up and um, can help you boost those kind of savings to keep you more secure. Yeah, those those sort of um, digital apps you're talking about, and Jean, the digital banks that do it, kind of save it for you almost. Yeah, they work using algorithms. So they look at your income, hopefully, you will link it to all your banks, and then they will kind of just siphon away bits of cash every now and then where they see that you've um, not spent as much as you normally may have on a, on a normal monthly or it works every four days I think pattern um, and it differs from app to app so I think they're a really good way of showing people who've never saved before that actually you can save even if it's a couple of pounds you know you can start saving and building up those nest eggs. Excellent. Thank you so much. Thank you, Micah Curry from Fidelity. Thank you, Tara Evans, consumer editor at the the Sun newspaper. Really, really helpful there. And that's your lot from us today. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. And our handle is, of course, at Money Magpie. If you have a story you'd like us to feature or you have a burning question, head over to our message boards and put your question there. In fact, put a question of any sort on the message boards and not only will we answer it, but it might be picked for the next podcast. We're interested in any of your fab money tips too. Today's episode was presented by me, Jasmine Bertels, and our producer was John Offord. The music was composed for Money Magpie by Thomas Hewitt-Jones. Jones.